Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. If you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. I did get word yesterday down from Doug Clay, who is our general council superintendent, to John Wooten, which is our Ohio Ministry Network superintendent, to my presbyter, to my cell phone yesterday, that uh, the, uh, all of the Assembly of God leadership is asking us to go ahead and, uh, and uh, postpone our services. This will be the last corporate service we'll have together for the next few weeks. We will be streaming online at the same service time. So that'd be Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m., Wednesday evening, 6.30 p.m., uh, I know many of you are here because you're faithful. Uh, we have many faithful people that are a part of this church. I want to tell you that this is uh, something that's regrettable to me. I love this church very much. Uh, the board and I have really prayed hard. We have people that are in authority over us that have asked us, and we're going to follow that authority. But I want to tell you something. It's really going to be hard not to see you. So I'm going to bug you to death on the phone. Okay. I'm going to call you, I'm going to send you cards, I'm going to love on you, I'm going to visit where it's appropriate, when it's appropriate. Uh, if you miss one of the live streaming services, you can go to our webpage, which is uh, firstassemblyag.com, and uh, all of our services are recorded there as well. So you can go back on Facebook, catch it on Facebook later, or live, or you can catch it on our website as well. If you would be faithful in your giving, that would be such a blessing, and we know that you will. I shouldn't even have to bring it up. But uh, you can give online through text give and online give, and of course, snail mail works pretty well too, okay? If, uh, if you have a need, a prayer request, a need, please contact the office. I'll still be pastoring. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm <laughs> listen, I love pastoring and serving you. So call the office if you have a prayer need. If there's something I can do to serve you, please make sure that I'm aware of it. We have deacons on board and ready to help as well. And remember, our office number is 419-422-3019. Praise the Lord. When I was a kid, uh, you'd watch the TV, and probably you, you, your favorite TV show would be on, and then they'd cut off in the middle of the TV show with a government moment. That's just what we'll call it. I got something else in my mind. <laughs> it would bust through in your TV show, and it would say, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only, this is only a test. And then the most god-awful sound, if your, TV, if, if your TV was up at all, and, and you would just be, I don't know about you, but I'd be like, no, you know. Church, this is just a test. We're going to pass it. In Jesus' name, we're going to pass it. Don't have a micro view here. Have a macro view. Have a God's eye view of what's going on here. You know, even with your, even with your television sets or, or even with a, a nice HD picture, you can, you can see a picture and focus in on one little pixel and it be black and it be dark. But if you back away, just back away by faith and begin to see over time just what God might be doing through all this. Don't think for a moment that there isn't a bigger picture if you'll just step back just a little bit in faith 
and see the big picture God's eye view of what he's doing in the world. Let me tell you, Sarah was right when she quoted Romans 8.28. God works all things together for the good, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. doesn't say all things are good. Doesn't say uh, doesn't say COVID nineteen is good, but God will work all things together for the good, Amen. There will be souls that will come out of this, and hey, I'm going to say it. Let's close some abortion clinics. We're going to close some things down. Let's see some lives saved, Amen. Come on. Did you know you were in a Bible church? <laughs> come on now. Mark six thirty one. Want to talk about how life is better together? Uh, especially want to cover. How sometimes less is more. And we're kind of in that mode right now. Where many of us are going to worship the Lord. And there won't be as many people. But there will be people. Amen. And you know, did you know Amish, Amish do that? They get together and they. Yeah, I know because my wife reads all those books, man. All those Beverly whatever books. Yeah. Yeah. She likes them. She tells me about them. But, but they get together and worship from their home. We can have family altar, amen? Amen. So get a load of this. Mark 6, 31, it says, Then Jesus said, hey, let's get away from the crowds. You didn't know that was in the Bible. Let's get away from the crowds. You know, sometimes it's okay to get away from the crowds. It says, let's get away from the crowds for a little while and rest. For so many people were coming and going that they scarcely had time to eat. This is why I love my God. He found time to get away from the crowds and eat. Come on, pray with me. <laughs> pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for the joy that's in this place. God, for the hope that is in our hearts. I thank you that, God, we serve a relational God who loved us so much that he sent his son to come and do life with us. And that meant that God sometimes... He got alone and he got intimate with people and ministered to people one-on-one -on -one and took advantage of where your spirit was leading him. Father, thank you so much that we can do the same. That in the coming weeks, we're going to see God, our families blessed, lives touched and blessed in ways we've never thought were possible. And we give you the praise and the honor and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know how big your family is, but um, I kind of was adopted into the Irish mob of a family when I married Sarah, the O'Banions, the famous O'Banions. You can look them up. Historically, they ran the, they ran the mob from Chicago. And it, it, no kidding. So it was really, I had to really keep my act together or, or, or probably be shot. You know, not really. But, but they, were, they were some mean, mean dudes in her family. She's got a really big family. And when, when the family goes out to eat, the interesting thing is, and I've changed over time, but the interesting thing is when the family goes out to eat, everybody goes out to eat. Come on. Anybody else do that? We're, we're like everybody in your family has to go at the same time. Now, now, I don't know what the number is in your head, but ours is more like 50 or 60. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. So when you go out for lunch, you're really going out for dinner. Because by the time you get your food, come on, church. But... <laughs> By the time everybody orders and everybody sits down and everybody takes their place and the whole family actually gets there, it's really almost supper time. So I have to order for two meals, okay? And that's, that's what it's like to be in O'Banion. 
And I, th- I call myself one too. I'm, I'm part of the family. When I first came into the family, I thought that was crazy. Because I'm like, listen, I'm not going to get to talk to any more than one or two of you. So I don't know why we're all going out. Over time, I started to take a lot of love and a lot of family respect and reverence for us all being together. So I, I'm with you. It, 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 it's hard for a pastor to not see the whole family of God together in one place at one time. It really is hard. And it doesn't matter to me if, if I miss a meal, if I could see, I'd even do that. My wife says, wow. Pray for her. She literally said, wow. Are you on my side? Okay. <laughs> I think a lot of times, though, we measure success in the metric of quantity. Whereas Jesus many times measured relational health and success with the metric of quality. In other words, it was okay from time to time to just have a few people. You know, even even in ministry, the first question we ask after an event or after we have something scheduled on the calendar, after we maybe open a new church or have a church service, is how many were there? When the reality is, Jesus time and time again taught us that sometimes less is more when it comes to people. Sometimes less is more. Think about this. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 20, Jesus teaches us this, okay? Now, now if we we were to use this verse of Scripture as a metric for the last church service we had or the last event we had or the last thing where we all got together and did some ministry, we'd probably consider that event a failure. But listen to this verse. Jesus says in Matthew 18, 20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Now you know this. It's a very familiar verse. But think about it for a minute. Apply it to right now. If only two or three showed up to your Sunday school class, you might call that a failure. If only two or three showed up to the next church service, you might think that to be a failure. Jesus doesn't see it as a failure, though. Actually, he sees it as an invitation. In his words, he's saying, hey, if two or three had just come together in my name, I'm invited. I'm invited. How, what is our metric? Is our metric sometimes how many? Or is our metric sometimes God was there? You know, many can get together, but not in his name. Come on. And, 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 and I, I'm not here to be uh, disparaging a, a, of any church, but not every church comes together in the name of Jesus. Hate to put it to you, but you're not getting the blue light special on salvation here. Come on. The truth isn't always preached. The way isn't always preached. And the life isn't always there. Come on. And that's what Jesus called himself. You know when Jesus is in the house when you got truth. You know Jesus is in the house when you know the way, and it's narrow. Come on. And you know Jesus is in the house if his spirit is there and there's life. So if you've got two or three and you've got Jesus, you've got a crowd. That can happen in your home. In fact, I think that might be part of what's going on. God's saying, listen, I want to do a restructuring of your spiritual lives from your home. Did you know God instituted the home before he did the church? Yeah. And so from the home, 
He can change the world too. Amen. Okay, two or three are with me. Oh, it feels good. Thanks. God bless you. God bless you. Sometimes less is more when we, when we think about the quality time we can have with people. The quality time. Next, sometimes less is more if you want to make a difference in your activity. And, and, and I don't know about you, but, but, but sometimes I'm just too busy. For, for instance, when I think in my heart I'm too busy to pray or to have my devotion time, how many of you know I'm too busy? I'm too busy. If, if the only time you're getting with the Lord is whether or not you can make it on Sunday, you're too busy. You're, you're too busy. I, I love what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther was quoted in saying, I'm so busy today that I'll need to pray at least three hours to get it all done. Now that's the right perspective. Without a prayer life, without time with the Lord, without pumping the brakes, slowing down, hitting the pause button, even resting, God forbid an America rest, American rest, right? We just don't do it. But without, without slowing down, well, what does the Bible say? Be still and know that I'm God. How do you know that he's God if you're not still? You won't even know what he's up to and where he's moving. And what he's deciding to do next, if you don't take time and be still. Now, are there any workaholics in here? No, right? There aren't any, but there aren't any control freaks in here, right? Wrong. From birth, you came out doing this, holding on, grabbing, wanting to hold on and control life. And the hardest thing in the world is to move from doing this to doing this. But that's a spiritual discipline, man. And you're going to get a big old chance to do that. <laughs> there you go. Welcome. Because you're going to get to slow down. Don't look at that as not the spirit. Don't see a slowdown as God not moving. See it as you waiting on the Lord. That's what we talked about in men's group yesterday. Pretty good. We got a pretty awesome uh, devotion leader too, Mr. P. He'll be with me Wednesday night at 630 and uh, he'll be ready. I can see it in his eyes. Question is, will I be ready? <laughs> Jesus was so intentional about his activity that he was constantly resting. He was constantly going off by himself, getting alone with the Father to pray, spending intentional time with people, even one-on-one. -on -one. How many times do you see Jesus being interrupted, disturbed, stopped? And we may look at those moments and say, Someone distracted him. Consider with me the woman with the issue of blood. He was on a mission. He's on his way. He's headed through the city. A woman with the issue of blood comes out of nowhere, grabs, grabs a hold of his covering from behind. All right? He turns around and says, who touched me? And healing flows out of him into her life. Consider the woman at the well. He goes away from the 12 disciples to speak with just one woman about how to have water from a well that will never run dry. This is, this is not, uh, this is paradoxical. This is backwards. This is upside down kingdom of God. Why isn't God running after the crowds? Why is he constantly coming away from the crowds and ministering to the one? I'll tell you why. Because his heart has always been after the one. 
He's always been after you. This might bake your noodle. It might fry an egg in the pan in your head. But consider this. Since he is the Alpha and Omega, since he is timeless, he could literally spend your entire lifetime with just you. That's a way homer. He could. He has the ability to do that. Being omnipresent, being omnipotent, he has the ability to just spend the entire lifetime that you have with you. That's how much he loves you. And this is the way Jesus lived. This is the way he taught life to be. Think about this for a minute. He starts his life, the first time we see him saying anything is, in the temple when he's 12, and he says, I must be about my father's business. Then he dies on the cross, but before he dies, he says what? It is finished. I must be about my father's business. And his last words were, it is finished. Who, what business? His business was finished. Think about this. When Jesus died, he died so that all might be healed. Was everybody healed when he died? Well, it wasn't finished then, was it? The father's business was finished. Stay with me. I'm going to help you out with this. He died on the cross so that all might be saved. Is everyone saved yet? But he died to finish the father's business. Think about this. He was the most intentional person that ever lived. If there was anybody that could have said, Father, Holy Spirit, angels, I got this. I'm going to do it all. And I'm going to get it all done in three and a half years. Now, don't challenge me on this. He's still God. He could have. And yet, he focused himself just on what the Father wanted and ministered to individual people's lives one at a time. Over the scope of history, the Father's business of salvation and healing of miracles will all be completed. Even though we don't see it all yet, that wasn't the point. The point was that he would listen to the Father alone and that he would minister to people individually. Now, that's not an American concept because it's more... Western concept doesn't wrap itself around quality. But a Middle Eastern concept does. When someone comes into your house and they visit you, you stop everything. You understand. The 23rd Psalm helps us with this idea. When someone would come and visit you, you would, you would put out a cup. David said, my cup runneth over. Speaking of his relationship with the Lord and being in the Lord's house. Why did he say that? Because when you stopped filling the cup, the guest would know it was time to leave. But God says, come in, sit down with me. I'll fill the cup so full that it runs over so that you never have to leave. This is a, this is a God of quality time. Hello. Even if it means you've got to spend some time with your kids now and build some Legos which you'll step on with your bare feet later and need to repent of what you'll do. Maybe. If anyone could have done it all, it was Jesus. Yet he was so intentional. He was so intentional. He did exactly what the Father had said. And he rested and he spent time with the Father. And he made sure that he was living up to what the Father told him to do. In your Bible in the Old Testament, there's a thing called Ten Commandments. We all believe those, right? 
especially when it says thou shalt not murder. But do you know that there's a commandment that says honor the Sabbath? Do you know that's a commandment too? You're supposed to take a day out of every week and give it to the Lord. Hello? Now, I don't want to see you in the foyer later and, and, and argue with you what day that's going to be. I just want to challenge you to understand that God did that so that you would learn to see what's important. Working all the time and being busy in activity all the time is not what he deems important. Relationship with him and with your family is what he calls important. Let me go a little bit farther. Not only were they to take one day a week, they were to take one year out of seven and let the land rest. Now, if you're a farmer, that's tough stuff. But most people were. Think about this for a moment. That would mean everybody for a year would stop what they were doing and they would do it so that the land would be able to be reminded and that people would be reminded that the land belongs to the Lord. Did you know he owns this earth? That means he owns what's going on on this earth right now. Oh, this gets better. That means he owns what's happening to people right now. And no matter how the media or the news brings it across, God still owns it. It's still his. Amen? Yeah, isn't that true? So you serve a God who owns this. And what they would do is they'd let one year out of seven for the land to rest. Later on, they didn't do that. They ended up in captivity for 490 years because they, hadn't, they had missed 70 of those sevens. Hello? How many of you know if God says it, it's going to happen? Can I go a little bit farther? This, this gets even better because on the year of Jubilee, on the 49th year, it start Jubilee, all debts were paid. Boy, that sounds awesome, man. I'm ready to go OT, aren't you? All the debts were paid. This was to show that, listen, we aren't to live our lives into debt. We're not to live our lives into, for creditors. We're to live our lives for the Lord and for one another. And so indentured servants, these were people that couldn't pay their debts, had to work for years to pay them off as slaves. Well, when Jubilee came, they were set free. Isn't it cool that Jesus later, reading from a scroll in Isaiah, and he's doing it in the synagogue, he says, this is the acceptable year of the Lord right now. You know what he was saying? This is the year of Jubilee. He says, hey, I've come to set the captive free so now we've got time to serve god and serve one another we serve a god that's about relationship and that's why he set those things up in the old testament if god pumps the brakes on you and hits the pause button in your life just remember you're no better than joseph do you remember joseph joseph had this dream he had this dream that god would somehow use him and he went off and ran his mouth now, nobody ever runs their mouth. I know you don't, okay? Especially if God calls you to something. You never run your mouth, do you? Maybe I've done it a few times. <laughs> he goes off and runs his mouth. He tells his brother about what was the dream. And, and, and you know what happens? They sell him off as a slave. They throw him in a pit. They sell him off as a slave. He ends up in a dungeon. Boy, that, that's happy times. It's not till 20 years later. Can you say, can you say pump the brakes? A little bit louder, because some people aren't with me. Hello, everyone. 
pump the brakes. God pumped the brakes on that dream for 20 years. 20 years. Then he ends up being the second ruler of the nation. And there's a crisis. Is there a crisis in our world today? Don't you know that God's setting people up? Don't you know there's a Joseph somewhere in the church, in the body of Christ? There are lots of Josephs. There are lots of Josephs. They had a crisis. It was a famine. Were they ready? Yes. Did God show himself to be God? Yes. Did people know who the one true God was in it all? Yes. And that will happen through this too. Bonifar guaranteed. Now think about this. 20 years later, his brothers come to him. If this is ever a time to go, I told you so. You guys were nasty to me. Now I'm going to be nasty to you. That's not what he does. Can, can I read you this verse of scripture? It's so awesome. Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. To bring about this present result. To preserve many people alive. Whatever the devil and whatever's going on in the world right now that is meant for evil for you and I, God is going to bring it about for good. For good in the name of Jesus. And listen, I love what happens here. He says, what? <laughs> watch this. He says, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present truth. In order to bring about in Hebrew is, is a long phrase. I'm not going to give it all to you because I'll end up spitting. Okay? <laughs> but is, it is the same phrase used as a weaver's rod. If you're weaving a large piece of cloth or a rug together, you would put it up and there would be a weaver's rod. There's an Old Testament character that actually uh, slays a, a number of uh, Philistines with a weaver's rod. Okay? It's a pretty cool story, but we won't go there. Rabbit trail. Squirrel. Okay, so anyway, the phrase here means like a weaver's rod. You weaved something together for evil, but God is reweaving it into something good. And that's, that's, that's what Joseph is saying. Listen, you need to understand that God's got this, and God's going to do something good with this. But not just for you, for the whole world. He's going to bless people. He's going, to, he's going to give people life, not death. Amen? Hey, look at the next one here. Most of the time, less is more if you want a light and joyful heart. Not only is less more when it comes to activity. You know, God can pump the brakes for 20 years. Then you wake up and a bunch of people are saved. The story of Joseph. Hey, less is more also when we have a joyful heart. I don't know what you're walking around with in your heart or in your mind, but you're about to get a lot more time to think about what you need to be thinking about, what's really important, your loved ones, your grandkids, listen, your kids, your family, you're going to get an opportunity to do that, take it, don't, don't see this as, a, well, I can't, I can't go down to my favorite restaurant and keep getting fat. You could actually go into your kitchen and cook something. That's unbelievable. It's unheard of. You could actually sit down with your family and see each other face to face and it not be fast food. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I love this. 
my wife has been cooking for days. It's revival in the Hammond's home. It's awesome, man. I got a joyful heart. I'm not weighed down. I don't have all this, I don't have all these burdens. I don't have so much to think about. Lighten up. Jesus, listen, Jesus knew he would take on the sins of the world and face the full wrath of the Father on the cross. And yet the Bible says this about him. Watch this. It says that he enjoyed his life. He enjoyed life. Matthew eleven nineteen. The Son of Man came enjoying life. I know your picture of Jesus is a frown face, right? I know your picture of Jesus is, is probably that old... Oh, it almost looks like an uh, a old western. That's the one, the picture we had in my house growing up. Like a, if, if he had a cowboy hat on, it'd be almost like perfect setting. You know, just like stern. Jesus came enjoying life. He enjoyed life. Is the picture of Jesus you have in your heart have a smile on it? I don't know what picture you have up in your house of the Lord probably doesn't look like that picture but but let me tell you this he's got a picture of you and it, and the picture of you has a smile on it he wants to see you joyful he wants to see your heart light that's why he says come unto me as children suffer the children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven come to me like a kid i i, lo I love uh, my secretary my administrative assistant's little daughter abby because every time she sees me, she runs from the entirety of the building all the way to me, crashes into me, like, like hits me like a football player. Pastor! It's smiling the whole way and teeth missing. And I love it, man. I love it. Right? That's the way you want to see people. That's the way God wants to see you. You don't have to carry all this stuff around. In fact, the scripture even says, hey, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Let him care for you. Slow down a little bit. Let it happen. Pro Proverbs 17, 22 says, watch this. It says, be cheerful. Being cheerful keeps you healthy. You want to fight this, this disease? Will you cheer up? Oh, my lanta, man. Tell a few jokes. Even a few dad jokes. Even a, even a few Pastor Glenn jokes might cheer someone up. Watch, it says it's a slow death to be gloomy all the time. There you go. You want to live? Be cheerful. You, you know he provided that for you on the cross too? Proverbs 12, 25, it says anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. You don't have to have all that weight. That's what you got your God for. You know what humor and, and cheerfulness is? It's life's spiritual shock absorber, right? Listen. Ohio has far better roads than where I'm from, all right? But if you just drive across the state line into Michigan, you suddenly realize whether you have shock absorbers or not. And to all those watching online that live in Michigan, God bless you because your car is about to fall apart. <laughs> but, but your life, your life is on a road. And, and, and if you're not cheerful, you're going to hit some potholes and it's going to leave you stranded, man. You, you're going to have to cheer up. You're going to have to trust your God. You're going to have to see that he's bigger than all this. You're going to have to start talking about funny stuff. Laugh at some of the dumb stuff you do all day. There's a good start. I'm the best in the world at it. 
So, I mean, my wife's like, you're a regular comedian around our house. <laughs> Lastly, less becomes much, 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 much more when you give God time. In fact, I'm going to tell you something that doesn't make scientific sense whatsoever. But the Bible actually promises that if you give time to God, you'll have more time. I know that doesn't make sense, but, it, but, it, it, but it'll probably make dollars. Just like when I tithe to the Lord, it just seems like I can do more with 90% than I can with 100. Come on. When I give God some time, man, it just seems like my day just gets filled with blessing. Proverbs 10.27 is a promise. Watch this. It says, reverence for God adds hours to each day. Now you say, you say, pastor, we all get the same amount of time, 24 hours. We all get the same amount, right? What does that equal? 168 hours a week. How about that, huh? I know a factor few. But, 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 but listen, the truth is, what you end up doing in that time could actually be way more productive if you started with giving God a little bit more time. Okay? It expands your day. It blesses your day. Like Abraham, you start to get the Midas touch. You start, Midas touch. Used to be a commercial, Midas touch. But you know what I mean. King Midas. You get the Midas touch. Things start working for you and get easier for you and better for you. Look, look at it this way. You do a lot more waiting than you probably realize. Did you know that? How much waiting do you think you, you do? Well, let's, ju let's, just, let's just check this out. You spend nine months waiting to just be born. I memorized a few of these facts. You spend 30 years waiting to wake up of your life. Hello. Get this. You spend two years of your life returning phone calls that nobody ever answers. You spend six months of your life opening mail that's junk. You spend four years of your life waiting in line. Now think about this. You're doing a lot more waiting than you realize. And you look at this situation and you say, I've got to wait a few weeks or maybe a couple months. You can do it. <laughs> You've been doing it. You've been doing it. And God's been helping you do it. You'll make it. You'll make it. Just, just cheer up. Spend some time with God. And that time you do spend with God is going to be more fruitful. More fruitful than probably you realize. You see, I want you to take care in closing. I want you to take care of the goose. Don't let the devil get your goose. Don't let him goose you. I'm serious now. You know, you know the old Aesop fable, right? There was a couple that had a goose, and the goose started dropping golden eggs. Now, that's a good goose, man. Right? Who was saying they were selling goose eggs the other day? Was that in Jamaica? I think we were in, they were selling goose eggs or something. That's nasty. Anyway, this particular goose was dropping golden eggs. And they were getting used to loving the golden eggs from the goose. And you know by the end of the story that they fell so much in love with the golden eggs and not so much in love with the goose that they killed the goose. They killed the goose because they thought they could get all the golden eggs at once. And in killing the goose, they realized there were no more golden eggs. Your golden goose is your time with God. It is what is, that is the thing that's working in your life. If everything else shuts down, 
go back to your goose and care for the goose, your time with God. Don't let the devil kill your goose and trick you into thinking that if it dies, you'll get more. You won't get more, you'll get less. Spend some time with the Lord. So look at each of these things that are going on in your life right now and see them as God still in control, looking to bless you, not to harm you, looking to give you a hope and a future. Spend that quality time with Him. Spend that quality time with your family. Spend quality time in the kitchen. Spend Listen, spend quality time calling people. Do an old-fashioned letter. Take out a, a pen and write someone a letter and tell them how much you care about them and mail it to them. Don't lick the envelope. Give it an old tuck and send. And bless people the good old-fashioned way. Love people. Let this slowdown be a setup for something spiritual to happen in your life. 